Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Hello and welcome back um, to our important election message from Faith Family Church. We're actually breaking into part two. My name is Sean McFarlane and next to me here is Neil Barnt. And uh, what you are watching is part two of a six-part video series entitled Behind the Curtain, Exposing the Spirit of Antichrist. Let's go ahead and open with prayer, if you would, Neil, please. Yeah, Father God, I thank you that you continue to enlighten us. You continue to bring words to our remembrance, God. And I just thank you that as this message goes out, that you would use it for your glory and that all people that hear it have the opportunity to know you and to make you known throughout this country and throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, the Lord had placed this message on my heart shortly after, uh, of course, the COVID-19 and then the civil unrest that we've had recently. Um, uh, this series is designed to stir the heart of all believers. This is specifically for believers to a place of active faith in their involvement in government, both locally and nationally. We will do this again by presenting truths from the scriptures concerning the influences of the spirit of Antichrist and how they have an effect through the natural governmental structures in the earth. We need to realize that Satan is functioning through the systems that are in the earth. God establishes authorities and he establishes positions of authority, but the enemy desires to work through those. We saw that example uh, last week, uh, when we talked about in our first series, the spirit of Antichrist, how it got in through Genesis three, we looked at first John, uh, those passages of scripture. And we saw that out of those passages of scripture, that the spirit of Antichrist functioned through authority, you know, or initially he did it through the authority that Adam had, that he gave over to Satan to use. Adam didn't have to give it up, you know? So we're looking at that. And I want you as the church to see that. Um, many people, depending on where you're watching this from, specifically in our area here at Faith Family Church, Faith Family Church in Montana, in Billings, Montana, we've experienced different things through our governing officials. We've experienced great things in uh, when we voted in righteousness, and not so great things when we haven't. And so, as the church, we're making a call to the church to stand up and to take their place in uh, in voting righteousness and stopping the spirit of Antichrist, voting in leaders who have wisdom, who have understanding, who are functioning from a place of the spirit of Christ so that our, our, our nation, our culture can function in peace. And we saw this in a couple of places. Proverbs 29, 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. And so we saw the importance of that. We also looked at uh, a statement from our founding fathers that, you know, they may, they understood that the constitution in and of itself was not going to govern us, that it's the people, whether they had the, the, the gumption, the spirit to, to follow in obedience to the document that was written to make sure that freedom maintained through the years. And so we do, the, the purpose here is to encourage you. So for this particular, um, a series, we're actually going to talk about uh, we the people. And the the main point that I have today, as far as my portion, is do not fear. Uh, because we know fear is a strangler. It's a binder. It will, it'll, ru it'll ruin your life. I mean, even medically, they've proven what fear does to your body, and it's not good. We are dealing with locally 
You know, President Trump uh, uh, has done a good job of standing for righteousness in the Oval Office, but locally, the the scripture that the Lord had given me was in Song of Solomon. We looked at it, 2.15, and it says, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. In other words, foxes spoil vines. And so what the Lord had dealt with me about was, if you don't like where you're at and what you're experiencing, it's governmentally and those that are over us, and we need to change uh, uh, those people in those positions. And I think you and I talked about this specifically even some of the laws mm-hmm. need to be changed uh, because they uh, they actually violate the freedoms that we have as Americans. Mm-hmm. We have the right to uh, do a lot of things that are in our Constitution, and people don't understand that because of um, their basically ignorance of of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. And so let's get into this, and then we'll get into the Bill of Rights with you. Um, And uh, I actually am going to start out. I'm going to read this first part here. You know, people say, uh, um, well, they talk about having, especially for believers, having respect for authority. And we are to honor and have respect for authority. But that doesn't, and people say, well, you know, you're not supposed to speak evil of authority. Well, speaking evil and speaking the truth are two different things. Yeah. I can speak against you, but not hate you. I can say something that you did was not the way that God would have you do it and still love you as an individual. Right. You can still honor an office, even when the person in office is being dishonorable. What we are looking for guys, and this is something that uh, as believers, I, I think as you, you get older in life, you see this more and more, but especially the younger culture, and maybe you're a young believer watching. Um, I know God's doing a mighty work among young people, even in getting involved in uh, politics and things like that and righteousness. But something that you need to realize is, and even though our culture touts and preaches how you feel is the most important thing and you are what you feel and 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 your feelings are almost well they are they're touted as god when in all reality those of you that have been following that way of life you know there's massive emptiness inside of you because those principles that principle that thought that uh reality of just dealing with how you feel it's not a substance of truth mm-hmm. you have to have the word of god to have truth and so there are there are believers that think well you know you can never uh, disagree with the president, you can never disagree with the governor. You have to just do whatever's been said. Um, you you cannot violate any of the things that they've they've mandated. But my question is this: as a believer, how do you come to that conclusion from the scripture? I want to go to Luke thirteen thirty one. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but uh, or look on your phone or whatever you got there. Uh, but Luke thirteen thirty one. I want to show something here that we're to fear God first and not man. I mean, I think it's pretty clear in scripture. Um, You know, in the next session, we'll get into Romans 13, and I'm not going to get into it now, which many Christians have used to say, you know, just let the authority do and whatever they say you're supposed to do. But you do realize that the guy who wrote Romans 13 didn't just do whatever the authority told him to do. So if you're going to study scripture and and hear, even if you hear a minister say that, you better go back and look and study and find out for yourself if that's the case or not. You could find yourself in a position that you don't like. Um, we are allowed as Christians, especially, you know, if you're going to take the obey the laws of the land statement, as Americans, the law of the land says 
that I can say something. And so the law of the land says that you can say something. The law of the land says that you that are watching can say something. And you can stand up to injustice, which I believe that's what Jesus' example was. And we're going to see that here. Luke 13, 31. Would Jesus speak uh, disparagingly or call out a leader? Since he's our Lord, right? He's our Savior. He's our example. Well, would obviously, he do it? most people would say Jesus never said a mean thing about anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> he never contradicted the culture at all. Yeah. I mean, he came to do something that was completely countercultural right. to the entire world at the time. Right. Even the religious leaders that were waiting for the Messiah could yeah. not recognize that he was there. Right. Right. It's interesting because even your statement there is so true. And I know Jesus, when he came, he was, he was, uh, that's not when the gospel was spread to the Gentiles. It had effect in the Gentile world, but it wasn't spread to the Gentiles yet. We know that came later. Um, but Jesus came in and I mean, if Jesus was just all peaceful all the time and never contradicted what was going on or or took a stand in something that caused a division, you're not reading your Bible. I mean, you're just not. Because scripture, he even said out of his own mouth, he said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Jesus was not saying, hey, everybody take up swords and we're going to take out the government. What he was saying was, is I'm going to present light here and you people are in so much darkness. It's going to it's going to really cause a contradiction within yourself. And so as the church, we're salt and light. We talked about this a little bit last session, but we're salt and light. And so we have this same nature within us because Christ lives in us. And we have the ability to release that nature in this country through the seed of a vote. You know, come November, you know, I've heard prophecies, you know, it's going to be a red wave. It's going to be a, I've heard people say it's going to be a blue wave. It depends on who you <laughs> listen to. You know, there's all these, these different voices out there and we're called to judge them. And that's never going to change as, as long as, you know, Christ isn't ruling and reigning here on earth. But no matter what the wave is, I know when I vote righteousness, that my heart's right with God. And that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the absolute most important thing. Having that peace. You know what I mean? Is there something you'd want to say there? Well, I was just thinking that it's not about winning or losing necessarily. It's about having the character behind right. standing in what you're doing. And your team may not have won, but you can still like the team. Right. Your team may not have been the one that got the championship this year. Right. But if you're behind the right team, right, then you can spread that through word of your mouth and continue on. Right. You know, we're not called to be light if our political party wins. Yeah. We're called to be light no matter what. And so, uh, well, I shouldn't even say it that way. I should say it this way. We're called to be light because we're born into it in Christ mm -hmm. and he set the example for us. Yeah. And we know, uh, church, that uh, things happen that are unfair in this life. We understand that. We know that things take place that aren't right. We understand that. And we, we, we're not, we understand that this world is not being fully governed by the Lord right now. But we do have an opportunity as the church with the resurrection of Christ within us to be light, to be salt, and to sow seed. So Luke 13, 31, I've been hitting around getting to this, and I need to get to it. it says this, on, the very day, on that very day, some Pharisees came to Jesus or came saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. We know Herod's the governor, right? Mm -hmm. 
It's interesting. And, and it says this, he said to them, go tell that fox. So Jesus called Herod a fox. Now, was Jesus just calling names? No, he wasn't. What he was doing was, is he was declaring, he wasn't speaking evil of a dignitary. He wasn't speaking evil of the person in authority. He is speaking the heart of Herod. Herod uh, was an evil man. And Jesus called him out on it. You know what? Our government leaders, if they're evil, we need to call them out on it. We absolutely do. And people say, well, no, you shouldn't do that because you, it's disrespectful. It's not disrespectful. It's disrespectful depending on, well, I could say this. It's disrespectful Disrespectful depending on how I do it. Mm -hmm. If I do it from a heart of righteousness, a heart of love, Jesus is not saying just calling Herod names. Jesus is speaking because he's light to Herod, to the situation, and hoping probably not only the Pharisees or the religious leaders that came to Jesus to speak to him will see light out of it, but then also Herod will too, you know, because he cares about their salvation. Our leaders that do not follow the principles of righteousness, we do need to pray for them. We absolutely need to pray for them, but we also need to speak up. We need to have a voice and speak out. I said this before. I want to say it again, very simply this, um, uh, is that we are called to be a voice. We are called. And if we, if the founding fathers acted the way some Christians do today, we would not have this nation. And so I want to challenge you with that thought. You need to stand up and not just be silent. People say, well, we're counting on the silent majority. Well, you need to be the vocal majority. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So go ahead and speak out. You have social media platforms available to you. You have all of these things available. Go ahead and speak out and don't be afraid. And so we see uh, that Jesus called Herod a fox, which, by the way, was not a compliment. And I can just tell you this, that foxes were not, if you look in commentaries and things, I'm not going to go into it right now. But if you look into different commentaries and things, you'll see that foxes were not held in high esteem by the Jewish people, okay? They're burrowers. They're deceptive. They roam around at night. They they ruin, as we saw in uh, Song of Solomon, they ruin the vine. And so we see, we see that, that Jesus, Jesus was not uh, giving a compliment to Herod, but calling him out and demanding righteousness of him. So we see this. Uh, in 1 Peter 2.17, it says this, Honor, value all people, love the brotherhood, fear, be in awe or alarmed. I thought that was interesting. Of God, honor and value the king. But I noticed something here. We're to fear God and honor the king. Mm -hmm. We're not to fear the king and honor God in that sense. We can't get those reversed. We fear God. Uh, Paul made this statement. Uh, or maybe the Lord made it. Uh, I'm getting uh, some scriptures mixed up, but the quote will be right. Um, he talked about not fearing. I think it was Jesus said this. He said, don't fear man who can only kill the body, yeah. but fear God who can kill both the body and the soul. Mm -hmm. In other words, get, keep your perspective correct yeah. um, on these things. And so we see that. We see that the necessity 
of fearing God. In Acts chapter 5, uh, verse 17, it says this, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, and they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent uh, to the prison to have them brought out. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prisons shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we when we opened them, we found no one inside. So we see here, if you go back and you listen to the first uh, message that we did, we see the spirit of Antichrist functioning through leadership here. Then we see the spirit of Christ functioning through the church. Then we see an angel of the Lord releasing them from prison. Okay, and I'm going to get to this point here of again and and establishing it. Jesus didn't fear man first; he feared God first mm -hmm. in his actions. And we're going to see here that the apostles did not fear man first or government authority first; they feared God first. And it, I don't know, I don't know how you can't if you study through the history of this nation and you look at the things that our founding fathers wrote and said they didn't fear uh, the king first; they feared God first. And uh, they were not looking for a bloody battle. Yeah. And we'll see that in the next one, that they tried over and over not to have it, but in defense they were forced. So it says this, they found the prison shut. Going down to verse 24. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. I guess they did. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, which is a good thing, for they feared the people. Boy, there's a whole message right there we mm -hmm. could get into, that the leadership feared the people. And that's what needs to happen in our nation today. Okay, anyway, lest they should be stoned. And then he says in verse 27, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, he says, he says, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Now watch what Peter says. In verse 29, he says, but Peter and the other apostles, so not just Peter, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. In other words, what do we see from the apostles here? We see a standard being set for the church that we are to obey God first. We are to fear God first and honor man. We're to honor. I read it there in, um, in fact, I went past the scripture, but I'll go back to it here in, uh, in uh, 1 Peter 2.17. Honor all people. So I'm to honor you. I'm to honor those, that are, those of you that are watching. We're to honor you. Uh, um, we're to love the brotherhood, we're to love those that are in Christ, and we're to fear God and honor leadership, but we're not to fear people. We're not to fear a man or even a position of authority. We're not to fear them. We're to fear God first, and our fear of God, our reverence for God, produces where we obey in accordance with Scripture. And most of the laws in this nation are obeyable. For believers, they really are. But there are those that are trying to change that. Mm -hmm. There are those that are trying to change that. Um, and so we see here, 
What did they say? We ought to obey God rather than men. Then lastly, I want to say this. Um, and this is Luke 19, 47. The leaders, I want, to see, I want to show you this other side of fear. So we're to fear God first. We're to honor and reverence him first. Then we can honor man. Jesus gave us the example of, of fearing God first. The apostles gave us the example that they followed from Jesus and saw him do. How many, you know this, that when Jesus said to Herod, or to the Pharisees, go tell Herod, go tell that fox, the apostles were standing there going, ho, ho, get him, Jesus. You know, they were, they were there seeing their master, their teacher do this. And then they followed the example later. Um, even though they were put in prison for preaching, which they weren't following the rules initially, and then they were told they couldn't preach. And then what did they do? They went out and preached. And to the point that an angel came in and, and, and is a part of this rebellion against leadership. So you're telling me that we just have to do whatever the leadership says, but yet God, God enacted a divine intervention by one of his angels to cause civil disobedience. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how people come up with some of the stuff that they do just initially off the cuff. So lastly, I want to see this. I want people to see this. And then we'll go into those Bill of Rights. And I think this ties in together great. And you can, you can uh, see this here in Luke 19.47. It says this. It says, and he was teaching leaders. Um, he was teaching daily in the temple. This is Luke 19.47. But the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything. Watch this. For all the people were attentive to hear him. Now, my second point is this, is that the leadership was afraid to do anything they weren't supposed to because the masses were in opposition to what they might do. Mm -hmm. Does that sound like anything in our Constitution? Yeah. How about we, the people? Yeah, it's interesting because that phrase started a nation in the way that was not common to man. If you look at any point in history... The, you know, the Declaration of Independence was a guide that set in motion this Constitution. See, the, the Constitution wasn't just a bunch of words that they came up with that was going to run the right. country. It was an answer to the Declaration of Independence in which they started saying, look here, King, we see that you're doing these things and these things are against what God has right. for right. us. And so we can't allow it to continue. We don't want to fight you, but we can't let this stand. And so those people that signed the Declaration of Independence pledged their, their lives, their honor, yeah. and their sacred treasure that eventually would accomplish a freedom that over 90% of the people in the world had never had a chance to experience. Right, And so... From the beginning of time until that that moment, that level of freedom wasn't available in government. Right. And so now we have a document that has been honored for the past over 277 years. And right. at, the, at this point, it's do we continue to honor why they wrote the document? Come on. Or do we... Just say, well, that's a nice piece of paper that's kind of old and crinkled now, and we need something else. Right. And so that's really where we're at in this country is 
we have to realize that the words that were written on that piece of paper weren't just something that somebody thought of, you know, oh, I was sitting on the, on the porta potty and, and figured it out, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. They spent years right. to make sure that they knew every word in every sentence was aligned with the way that they understood it to be the best that they could. And it wasn't just their understanding because they finally realized that, hey, we're not doing so good on our own. We need to invite God into right, this. Right. And so as soon as they invited God into the picture, they stopped fighting with each other and they started actually listening to what the will of God was for this country. And it, it's interesting because a lot of folks will say, you know, God wasn't involved in this country. Oh. And that that's one of the things that is mind blowing to me is because there's actual folks that are hell bent, I'll say, yeah. on removing any reference that any one of the founding fathers ever said about God right. in order to sanitize it and scrub it in a way that makes it seem like these guys were, you know, just a bunch of hillbillies that liked their guns and came together and somehow got a nation stuck together. Right. When in reality, like I said, there's never been a nation that had offered that level of freedom. And there's never been a nation that has offered this type of government that has lasted as long. Right. Because leaders come and go. Leaders may be good or maybe bad. But when you have a document that everybody honors, then it becomes something that ties everyone together in a unity that isn't broken by the changing of a leader. It's not broken by the words that somebody says, but it's only broken when people decide that we're no longer going to follow those principles. Right. And so it's, it's interesting to me because people, people think back in history that maybe they were taught, maybe they weren't a lot of school districts aren't even teaching the founding of America anymore because it's, it's too hard to talk about, or there was too many slave owners or, you know, those people, Yeah, they, they just, you know, they didn't know what we know today. We've evolved so much. <laughs> yeah. And in reality, if you look back at the education system back in right. the day, right. you were 12 years old when you got done with school and right. started college. Right. I don't know anybody that could start college at 12 years old today. Yeah. Also, yeah. in order to get into college, you had to be proficient in Latin yeah. and English and Greek. Yeah. And the reason that you had to be proficient in those languages is because part of graduating from college was you translating the Bible right. from Greek into English. Wow. Hmm. Why would they do that? That seems like they were trying to teach people about God right. in every area of their life right. and that that was a high and important thing to them. Right. So there's actually a law in the book in this country that we're to celebrate the Constitution wow. on sep September 17th. Wow. And not just celebrate it like the 4th of July, you know, hoorah, we light off fireworks, but it's actually required that all public school districts teach about the Constitution on that day. Wow. And I can guarantee you that that is not being enforced no, in this no, country. No, that's not being enforced at all in this country. <laughs> yeah. And so when the Constitution was in its final draft in 1787, you know, Declaration of Independence signed in 1776. So there was a little bit of gap in time from when they had a vision and a dream right. of freedom right. to actually realizing that dream. Right. So they got together, they got to the final draft in 1787, and then it took two more years to get all the states to sign on to it. Right. 
And one of the, the interesting things that in the Declaration of Independence and then in the Constitution, they said, look, we can't have any disagreement whatsoever. Hmm. So the form of government originally was 100% agreement. Right. And, you know, you and I both know that there's no human being that actually has no 100% agreement no, no. with anything. And so when you start to say, well, you included things like slavery in the Constitution and you're evil and bad. Well, they did everything that they could do to make a way out for that. Right. Just like Jesus gives us a way out for the things that we've right. done wrong. There was a way out of slavery right. and it was taken at the first available right. advantage because they wrote in that you can't start doing this for 20 years after the constitution is ratified. Right. Well, what do you know? As soon as that expiration date happened, they started voting laws in that abolished future slaves from right. coming into the country. And right. then it started downhill that we don't want any slavery in this country. And we, you know, fought the civil war and all that kind of stuff. But when you say that the country was founded by a bunch of slave owners that had no desire to end slavery, right. you're speaking untruth at that point. Right. Because they're the ones that put it in to be able to, yeah, to end that undo right. the injustice. And God is all about justice. He's all about mercy. Right. And so when you have a form of government that that's its primary focus, right. Then that's where the, the government becomes for the people. Right. And so on September 17th, that's coming up this year, you know, not only remember that the constitution was signed, but maybe actually dust the thing off and read it. You know, yeah. you can find it online. You may have a printed copy at home, right? But the words in the constitution aren't just in a specific order to make somebody feel good about themselves. Right. They were the specific blueprint on how we could actually carry out the declaration of independence. Right. And so one of, I want to skip ahead in the constitution to the bill of rights, because that was actually one of the areas that was a sticking point from some of the people that signed the declaration of independence to not want to sign on to the constitution initially <laughs> in order for the constitution to be ratified in the States. It was promised to them that they would get this bill of rights. <laughs> and so the bill of rights in and of itself was born out of a desire to give greater individual liberties in a defined state. And so it made a boundary around what laws Congress could pass mm -hmm. because initially there was a lot of rules that Congress could do, but there wasn't anything that said, well, you can't do things against these specific items. Right. And so when you start saying, well, the rights of the individual are number one. You know, initially when they wrote the constitution, that was where a lot of people wanted to be, but it wasn't in the constitution. And so the bill of rights was actually an amendment process that happened to the constitution. That was one of the items that they wrote into the constitution is how do you change the constitution it's right. through this amendment process. And so Congress then sent these amendments, um, to the states in 1789. So again, shortly after the constitution was actually ratified by the states, right. they got together and they agreed on the bill of rights in the house and the Senate and had to go to the states. So it took another two years to get around the states. You know, they didn't have the same level of no, communication no. that we had today. No email. So, 
So in order to get the word out, you yeah. had to get on your horse right. and actually go from town to town and convince people of things. And so now you just, you know, like something on Facebook and, yeah. Yeah. and think you're convincing somebody yeah, of something, I, but it's, it's really it not yeah. quite the same level that they had to go through. Nope. And so, um, you know, the misinterpretation or in abuse of Congress is what the Bill of Rights was intended to prevent. Right. And so, again, it, the words were written at the time of their understanding. And so when you go back and read it today, you know, maybe you don't understand those words exact, exactly the same way. And so when you have people that are in office today that aren't going back and trying to right. realize why they wrote the words and just say, well, these words are here so I can give you health and comfort and general well-being and and just take snippets rather than actually reading the sentences out of the Constitution. Right. Then it becomes, well, I can make this say whatever I want it to. Right. Rather than what the agreement was. And so the, the first five rights in the First Amendment of the Constitution are very important to all Americans, not just because, you know, they were written down first or whatever, but it's because they are the ones that give the most individual liberties to people. Right. And I've got a study here from a, a group called the Freedom Forum Institute. And every year they do a survey where they ask folks, you know, can you name at least one of the items covered in the First Amendment? Right. And, you know, there's five. So you would think that hopefully you can at least, you know, guess at one of them. Right. So go ahead. Just name one item that's in, in the First Amendment. Right. That, that The right to bear arms. No, the right to bear arms is actually the second. Okay, so, missed it. <laughs> so, um, freedom of religion. Yes, the freedom, things, the freedom yeah. of of religion. So it gives you the there's actual five individual rights outlined, where the freedom of religion is actually the first one. Wow. Yeah, and it it says that the government doesn't have the ability to to establish an religion. Right. Nor does it have the ability to prevent religion right and so when because you, they were using religion where our founding fathers came from they oh were yeah. using religion to because control the king people. was the religion right exactly yeah. and so they didn't want the government to be the religion right. but they didn't want to say that the government could tell people not to have religion right and they couldn't define what religion was and so in the the church of england which was like the king's right arm at that point right they said you couldn't read any scriptures except the scriptures that the king provided. Right. Well, did you know that the king made a few edits? Yeah, I know. I read that. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where the things that made the king have hurt feeling reports got taken out of the scripture. And right. so if that was your only access to God, right, then you're suddenly missing out right. on what God actually has for you. And so the, the, people that came to America, that was their number one thing that they wanted to enable was the ability to practice the religion as you saw fit. Right. And that didn't mean that your religion was better than mine or that I could kill you because you didn't agree with my religion. Right. But it did mean that you couldn't create laws that said my religion can't stand. Right. And that in today's world, we've got an assault against that Boy, freedom yep. because we've got leadership saying, well, you can't meet in churches anymore because it might spread a disease. 
Right. Well, last time I checked, this isn't the first disease that has ever happened no. in the history of the world. And so why is it now that all of a sudden it's okay to stop a Not, freedom that's right. guaranteed to all Americans? Not to mention that the actual disease itself is nowhere near like you might think like the Spanish flu or yeah. those those type of things yeah, that took place. Yeah. Statistically. When you get the Ebola virus and your body parts start liquefying, yeah. that's a bad deal. You that's probably don't want to yeah. spread that around. <laughs> right. When you get the coronavirus and most people who have had it haven't experienced the right. worst effects of it. Right. And so then it's like, well, I'm sorry, there are people that are dying, right. but that doesn't give you the ability to take away my individual right. You right. know, here's the thing, too, in saying that same thing with that. You know, people say, well, you shouldn't say that. That's insensitive. No, again, that you're being oversensitive. This is you, We don't function in, in this earth and in reality of where we are um, based on what could be what uh, uh, everybody's individual feeling about something. And so sometimes people do that. They say, well, you're just being hard. No, it's not a matter of being hard. It's a matter of being reasonable. You're going to shut down the entire economy. You're going to shut down uh, churches, all of these different things. Besides that, you know, it's like the, this is a little humorous, but it'll go along with what you're saying. You know, like the, the, the picture that's been floating around on Facebook of a guy standing behind a tree and you can see his, you know, the sides of him and stuff. And it says the coronavirus waiting for me to go to church. You know, what about Walmart? Mm -hmm. What about Target? What about Home Depot? What about uh, Lowe's? What about all these other, you shut down these mom and pop stores, but you're going to leave all these other ones open? Like the coronavirus doesn't go to Walmart. It doesn't go to Lowe's. You ever notice on the news, there's never stats about how it's spreading through Walmart, but they'll be sure to put all the stats on and how somebody contracted it at church. Yeah. It's silly. <laughs> so, I mean... Any one of the freedoms that were given to us in the Bill of Rights cannot be taken away by any government right. because all of the state governments have to agree to the Constitution first. And so the Constitution and in it, because they were amended to it, the Bill of Rights mm -hmm. became the supreme law in this country. Right. And so in this survey, um, it's actually interesting news because the survey um, from 2019, 71% of the people that they asked actually were able to name at least one of the items. So we have the freedom of religion that we talked about. Yeah. There's the freedom of speech, right. which goes right along in with religion. Yep. It's not limited to religion, but I can speak on what I need to speak about because of this freedom. Right. There's a freedom of the press, right. which has been taken to the same thing that you were talking about with speaking against government. You can't speak against the press because they have freedom. Right. Well, I have the same freedom that right. you have in right. speech. Yeah. yeah. And so you can't say that your speech supersedes mine because you have an invented press credential. Right. That doesn't give you godlike authority to right. tell people how to <laughs> yes. live their lives. And so we also have the freedom to peaceably Ascend. assembly. Yeah. So a lot of people say, well, you can't tell these rioters to go home because they have the right to assemble. No, it's not just a symbol. They right. included the word peaceable on right. purpose. Right. So in order to have peace, you can't smash things. You can't tear things up. You can't right. beat people up. Right. Those things are not anywhere near the definition of peace. Yeah. So I can tell you 
standing on the street corner all day that I would like you to believe in this, or I can tell you, you know, in a manner that is forceful. But as soon as I break down your level of peace, right, then that's no longer assembling in a peaceful manner. Right. I can't convince you with a baseball bat. Yeah. That that doesn't that doesn't count as peaceable as far as assembly goes. Yeah. Or even speaking. Well and to have leaders in this country that won't condemn that right. for fear of Boy, it's weak, isn't it? Breaking down assemblies. <laughs> if your group can't stay together right. in an agreement without beating people up, right. then do you really have an argument? And it really goes back to, because these, these principles of the Bill of Rights, they deal with the spirit of Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're dealing with yeah. here, as far as believers specifically. Um, and maybe this convinces you even more. Maybe you already knew this. I don't know. But the reality is, is that these statements and our founding fathers, they studied and poured over the scriptures and making the decisions that they did and what they included in the Constitution, in the uh, Bill of Rights, in the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, again, you've got all of these folks that say, well, there's a separation of church and state. Well, that's actually not even in our Constitution. Right. And so when you start to say, well, I'm going to separate this from that. Well, how, how do you actually do that? Right. If you're a Christian, how do you separate your life when you go talk to the government? I mean, you and you can't. No. It's, it's a foolish thought. And even the people that are declaring it, mm-hmm. they're saying, well, you can't bring your religion in here, but they're bringing their belief in. And at the same time, one of the very first acts that the Congress of this United States did was to hold a church service. Right. One of the very first things that they published in Congress right. was the Bible. Right. So they printed out Bibles in Congress for people to have in right. the public. And the separation of church and state, what it boiled down to was, is that they were saying that the state would not dictate to the church, that mm-hmm. the state had this, because that's what they were yeah. getting, wanting freedom it's, from. The separation of the state from the church, right. but not saying that the church doesn't have any rights in the government. Right. And I think a lot of folks are worried that if they're a Christian, they can't say anything about the government because there's this imaginary wall. And unfortunately, it's just a lie from, from the Antichrist, right. the spirit that says, don't have God in the government. Right. Yeah. And the, the enemy has really, in all honesty, done a pretty good job of of pounding that lie. It's in our public schools. It's, you know, when you have, you know, young kids being told that they can't pray over their lunch, you know, and, and stuff like that. And and we win a lot of court cases this way, you know, uh, as far as when they go to law Mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. But, but you do, you have an overreach of government and the more that the church allows secular thinking, atheist thinking, evolutionist thinking, into their they elect those into the government positions the more you're going to have to deal with that because they're going to set the laws that are on the books and then you're going to be frustrated so the the answer is not that we burn the system down Mm -hmm. the answer is that the church rises up functions within their rights including voting yep but speech in every other way convinces those around us not through violence but through the only time the church is ever called to uh, take up arms in that sense or is in defense. Mm-hmm. We're not running around making the world, you know, in, you know, in years past, people have said, well, the church has done, 
you know, horrific things in history in trying to spread the church. Yeah, they did, and they weren't following the Bible. <laughs> we know that, okay? But those that have come back to the scriptures over and over and have had humble hearts have had great impact in the earth, including our founding fathers, uh, by allowing the scriptures to influence the direction, the spirit of Christ, not the spirit of Antichrist, not humanism, not secularism, not all these other things that where humanity thinks they've come up with stuff that nobody else has ever thought of, which is not true. It's all been done before. And uh, we change those things through voting, through influencing, through having voice in the culture. Yeah, so the, the last item in, in that First Amendment is the freedom to petition the government. And what that means is you actually have the ability to have the government listen to you. Right. And that wasn't the case before this Constitution. When they wrote letters to the king saying, hey, we don't like what you're doing to us, he said, I yeah. don't care. Yeah. And so when you have the ability to have your voice be heard. Right. And you have scripture behind what you're asking the government to do. Right. You have a double-edged sword that is powerful. Right. Right. And so the the remainder of the, the 10 Bill of Rights also give the ability for individuals to not have the government come into their house and take their possessions and to, to take their property and to do things like Legal that. Legal rights. Yes, yeah. but it's it's outlining the things that the government doesn't have the ability to do to you. Right. And then the last in the Bill of Rights actually says anything that's not in the Constitution mm -hmm. is reserved for the states or for the people. And yeah. so any law that hasn't been made up yet yeah. is determined to be given to the people. Right. And so if— And those are established by who we vote in. Yeah. So the, the states can make laws that aren't defined by the Constitution, but if— the individuals stand up to say that these aren't the laws we want. Right. The only way to fix that is to put people in the government that are going to make laws that are different. Than wow. that. Isn't that good? And that's good. They, this, this document and what we have is so divine. Mm -hmm. I want to read one more scripture and then we can pray and close up uh, Matthew 26, three. And this is what I believe you're seeing here is that there is a level of fear that the leadership should have of the people. Because we, the people, we have the Bill of Rights that the that they are the leadership of this nation is to be a rep. They are to represent the will of the people. And uh, initially, this nation was founded by a group of men who submitted their will to the will of God. And that's what we want in representation of enforcement as far as government goes, because we have to have laws. Mm -hmm. We know that we don't believe in lawlessness. We have to have laws. We have, But they need to be formed out of Scripture. And uh, there's so many good things in Scripture that talk about that. But Matthew 26, 3 says this, The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the place of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by tri trickery and kill him. Verse 5, But they said, Not during the feast, lest the people be in an uproar among, and lest there be an uproar among the people. In other words, the people were preventing the leadership from doing the evil that they wanted to do. The church needs to prevent the leadership in this nation from doing evil. And there needs to be an understanding of that in regards to uh, our rights in this nation, but then our God-given, first of all, fear of God. Mm -hmm. And then we honor the king, but we fear God first. Yep. And we follow that example. We use these. I love the first five there that you that you went through. We use all of these rights to what? 
to promote righteousness, not in fear of what might happen to us. If our founding fathers, when they signed the Declaration of Independence, they knew they were signing their death warrant. Mm -hmm. They knew it. If they would have operated in how they felt, and even what happened to some of them and many people, we would not have the nation that we do. Yeah. And I, I just, I'm going to pray for boldness for the people. If there's, is there anything else you had? Or are we good? No, to close? I think that, that's okay. fine. Okay. So Father, I do. I come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, I just lift up this audience to you. Father, I thank you for your words here. And then not only in your scriptures, Lord, but then what we have in this nation that you've given us. And so, Lord, I pray for every believer watching that, that they would have boldness, that boldness would come upon them, that righteous boldness would come upon them, that it would flow through them, that you by your Holy Spirit would motivate them and not only motivate them, but also give them the words to speak and that they would use their rights that they have in this nation to speak up for you, not only in the ballot box in November, Lord, but also just in their day-to-day lives. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you that we are winning over by your goodness in this land and that you are stretching at your hand and that you are doing mighty signs and wonders in this nation for your glory so that we can continue to be a light to all the world, that the gospel can continue to go forth. We thank you for it, both locally, Lord, and nationally, and then, of course, globally, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. We're going to head into part three next time. It's going to be great. Please uh, join us for that. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.